basically what happened is there was this couple who was working abroad for an extended period of time. And uh, when they came back, uh, they came back to the fact that people were actually living in their house. And not only were they living in their house, but they had renovated it. They had gotten rid of the furniture. It was basically, it felt like it was no longer theirs at all. The Globe's Salman Faruqi has been looking into a new kind of fraud. Fraudsters, while this couple were away on a work trip, had managed to impersonate them, probably opened up bank accounts in their name, that sort of thing, and then just sold the home right from underneath them and, uh, you know, ran away with the proceeds. What these people experienced is called title fraud. It wasn't really a thing before the pandemic. But now, it's happening in Canada. Today, Salman will walk us through how homeowners and buyers are getting scammed and how you can protect yourself from losing a house to title fraud. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Sal, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So the kind of fraud that we're talking about is called title fraud. What exactly is title fraud, Sal? So title fraud refers to basically any sort of fraud that involves the the title of your house. That's kind of like your legal ownership of your house. And, you know, in the past, title fraud, uh, the more common version of it would be that someone would, if your title was clear of a mortgage, then they would remortgage or add debt to your house uh, and basically be able to run away with a lot of money because they could finance it against your house. But what is popping up now is called total title fraud. And this is basically where fraudsters, if you've been away for a long time from your home, fraudsters are able to gain access to your home. They're able to impersonate you and eventually sell your house right from underneath you and run away with the entire proceeds of the entire value of the home. Um, wow. So that that's something that, you know, insurance companies hadn't really seen happen until after the pandemic. Let's go through how this would happen. Like what steps does someone have to to take in order to commit total title fraud? Well, the important thing about this kind of fraud is it definitely starts with data collection. Regular old hackers of violence um, on on your accounts, on your bank accounts, uh, on all sorts of your details. Uh, basically, if hackers are able to get access to these uh, to these personal financial accounts of yours, they can start to really paint a picture of who you are, how long you're spending away from your home, and whether your home is a good target because it doesn't have a mortgage. Okay, so I guess just help me understand how exactly this would happen. So somebody is targeting your house, they figure out you're away for a long period of time, they figure out you don't have a mortgage on that house, then what happens? Well, it's been different in different cases, but it could involve, uh, you know, forgery of your identification, the fraudsters actually opening up bank accounts in your name, and eventually once they have copied enough of your information to use themselves, that's when they can actually go through the process of starting to impersonate you with real estate lawyers, agents, um, the government, to be able to make agents think that you are or the fraudster is basically the homeowner. And they'll complete the whole process of selling a home, which is obviously not not a simple one. It involves a lot of uh, you know balances and checks that are supposed to cash this sort of thing and well, eventually yeah. sell um, you know the entirety of the home. So they'll have so they've got the information. They're hiring impersonators, mm-hmm. I guess, to mm-hmm. to act as as the the seller, and then they're actually selling your home from out from under you. Yes, that's exactly right. Once once that happens, so someone then on the other end has bought a, a home like through this this fraud process. Then so they don't actually they think they own a home, but they don't actually own the home. Or how does that work? So the buyer could actually be uh, you know the worst off in the situation, and it depends on whether they have something called title insurance. 
If they don't have title insurance, then what, what people understand is that the legal powers that be would have to return the home to the rightful owner somehow. And if you were a buyer and didn't have title insurance and bought um, from a fraudster, you might be out, you know, the entire uh, value of the home. So we're talking like, I mean, this could be hundreds of thousands, even over a million dollars, right? Absolutely. And this is what some um, some people involved in this space think is, is the reason why it's happening so much is, is when the pandemic started, housing prices uh, just increased so rapidly. And this extremely complicated form of crime suddenly became a little bit more viable because of the sheer amount of money that people could make from it. Hmm, okay. Where exactly is this happening? Like, is this happening all across Canada or are there particular cities, areas that we're seeing being targeted? So the insurance companies that I've talked to and an investigator that I've talked to who handles uh, this sort of crime, basically they're seeing um, this happen mostly in the Greater Toronto area, some suburbs outside of that general area, and then also in Vancouver. But also uh, one of the investigators I spoke to, Brian King, um, he mentioned that it, it's definitely feasible that this crime will move into other parts of Canada if authorities get a better handle on what's going on in Toronto and Vancouver. And how common is this? How many times have we actually seen this happen? Well, before the pandemic, uh, one of the insurance companies I spoke to said they'd never seen it in their decades-long history until the pandemic. And at this really? point, this one company alone is dealing with uh, over 30 cases of this. Over 30 cases? Over 30 cases, which is a, a, a massive increase. And, and that's only one insurance company. And we've talked around this a little bit, but could you just very clearly explain, Sal, what, what is title insurance? So title insurance, um, you know, it's something that came uh, into vogue kind of in the mid-2000s, uh, the early 2000s. And basically, it protects you from any issues related to title when you purchase a home. It could even protect from such simple things as if your seller had made some changes to the house and they weren't up to code. If, if you were responsible for fixing um, some things in the house uh, and making sure they're up to code, title insurance could protect you there. Title insurance could also protect you from other sort of forms of title fraud that, I, uh, that we discussed earlier, like when someone refinances your home or that sort of thing. But now it is also protecting you from kind of the damages you face if someone was to either fraudulently sell your home from underneath you or to actually sell you the home um, themselves. So title fraud is is not something that we used to hear about. You mentioned before that this is a relatively new thing, Sal. How exactly has the pandemic made this made this easier to do? I mean, the pandemic definitely shifted a lot of parts of the home buying procedure online. People were starting to verify identity through um, ID cards online. They were signing more forms online. There was less face to face communication. So we definitely did see a spike at the as the pandemic started of fraud taking place because hackers believe they could take advantage of it. But what people are saying is that it really is the high value of homes that has really made this um, such a lucrative thing for fraudsters. So I guess there's that just that increased incentive, right? If you know there's going to be a bigger payoff, you, you're you more willing to go through all of these steps because you know there's going to be more money at the end then. A big part of it is that there is less stuff happening in person. You know, one of the stories I'm working on right now is about another area of fraud where hackers are actually impersonating real estate lawyers and convincing home buyers to send their down payments to a fraudulent account. And, you know, that's something that maybe wouldn't happen before the pandemic as much because, you know, the vast majority of purchases, buyers were going in person to their lawyers to, to hand over their bank draft for their down payment. We'll be right back.
And Sal, I know that you yourself are actually going through the process of, of, of buying a house right now. It uh, is. I wonder if, if that experience, has it given you any insight into, into how someone could fall for this or find themselves in this kind of situation? You know, it absolutely has because, uh, you know, I'm buying in a small market where the process of buying a home, you would imagine, would be relatively unstressful. But for me as a first-time buyer, even as a business journalist who deals with a lot of this stuff, I mean, it has been just really, really difficult. And, and, and you feel like you're being pulled in all these different directions and doing all these all these different things for the first time. So I definitely understand how someone could be taken advantage of because it's such an emotionally charged process where you really also feel the need to do things quickly to make sure that everything is getting done in time. So, you know, for first-time home buyers, they're, they're definitely really vulnerable um, to, to being taken advantage of just because, I mean... I really, I, I just don't understand a lot of what's happening a lot of the time when I'm buying a house. It's, it's, it's kind of wild um, it's to say that. It's complicated, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's super complicated. There's a lot of different documents. There's a lot of different people asking for a lot of for a lot of your inf- personal information. Um, so it definitely makes sense that um, you know this is an area that could be targeted. And I guess too, when we're talking about houses, condos that have their mortgage paid off, I mean, you're at a you're at a certain point there if you've had you've had the money to actually be able to do that. So that's something you maybe want to pay attention to. Absolutely, and and you know that's also an important note um, because again, title title insurance uh, only became something that was really common uh, in the early 2000s. So um, a lot of the insurance companies I spoke to um, were emphasizing that people who you know maybe bought their house in the 90s or the 80s and have paid off that house should really look into getting title insurance now. Um, and, you know, not to sound like a salesperson, but it, it is a pretty easy form of insurance. I mean, it usually involves just a, a one-time payment. Um, for example, like a, a, a small condo in the 200,000s, that would be, you know, just a $200 payment roughly um, one time, and you'd be protected for for basically the, the amount of time that you own that home. Um, and generally, it doesn't really cost more than $1,000. And if you bought your house, you know, say 25 years ago and you don't have title insurance, you could you get it now pretty easily? Yeah, absolutely. So, Sal, what recourse do you have if you have actually been defrauded in this way? Well, I mean, if you're the buyer, uh, you would definitely <laughs> begin by by contacting your insurance agency and, uh, you know, start to understand uh, a bit of the process of what's going to happen now. Um, it's, it's a new area. And, and when I was trying to get answers on what happens, I mean, it was definitely a little bit vague. Um, what I do know is that, you know, eventually the rightful homeowner is going to get their home back. Um, and that process mm-hmm. really depends on how cooperative the buyer who is defrauded is going to be in that process. Um, there will be a legal process involved almost no matter what, but it could also be taken to courts if the buyers really want to fight it and basically try to keep the home themselves as well. So it sounds like at that point, I mean, the fraudsters have taken off with the money and then the person who bought the house and the person who owned the house first are kind of left to to fight it out essentially. Yeah, the fraudsters are the ones who are uh, running off into the sunset and uh, the, home, uh, the home buyer and the original owner are the ones who have to deal with the recourse. That's a really difficult situation, right? Because I mean, a house is a kind of, often it's a, it's a massive purchase for a lot of people and to, to have to go through that process and then to learn that, you know, you may not actually have this property. That's that's a very emotional thing, I would imagine. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the home buying space is such an emotionally charged space right now because people really feel, a lot of people like in my age group and millennials really feel like they'll never be able to own a home. So when that actually, when that process gets started, I mean, even for myself, it, it was like, wow, this is amazing. I can actually own a home. You're putting a lot of um, emotional weight on that whole process. And I can't imagine what it would be like to um, to go through all of that and only and then realize that, um, you know, you were defrauded. Sal, has anyone been charged with total title fraud? 
There have been some charges laid, but there's also, you know, a lot to be understood still about um, the people kind of perpetrating this this form of crime. Uh, it, it takes an organized team of criminals to be able to to make this process happen. And generally, the masterminds uh, behind this crime aren't the people who are actually doing the impersonating. Even uh, those people will be hired and uh, might even be paid a little bit less than the people who masterminded this fraud. And uh, one of the investigators I talked to um, talked about how they've seen footage of um, of some of these impersonators at work, and you know they do a really good job. Um, his quote was that they they might deserve an Emmy because uh, they're really able to convince so many different people that they are in fact the rightful homeowner. So with a scam like this popping up all over here in in the GTA and, and in the Vancouver area, uh, I would imagine the government and and regulatory bodies are are looking at what can be done here. Uh, what could be changed in the process of of selling or buying a house that would actually make this a little bit better? So the one government body I talked to was in Ontario, um, just because most of the of this crime is happening in Ontario right now, and it's the Ontario Ministry of Public and Business Service Delivery that deals with this area. And and when I asked them about this, they they basically said that they are updating the act that surrounds um, kind of the legal process of buying a house, and they're just trying to add more protections for uh, for sellers and buyers who are affected by fraud, and also trying to put more of the onus on lawyers real estate agents, all the professionals who work in the space to look out for fraud and to act when they uh, when they suspect that something fraudulent is happening. And what about the role of realtors here, Sal? Because they are obviously involved in these transactions. Uh, is there something that they could do from from their perspective to maybe make this, to maybe prevent this from happening as often? One of the sources I spoke to um, just talks about how there has to be more education in this space because when you think of, say, a real estate lawyer, it's it's mostly a transactional process that's happening there. It's it's not like a, a lengthy legal process where a lawyer is working really closely with the clients. So they, they basically want, you know, realtors, um, lawyers, all sorts of professionals to be aware of that the of the fact that this is happening and able to spot when something fishy is going on. From my understanding, um, the ID that people need um, usually just involves, you know, two plastic pieces of ID when they go through this um, through this process, and uh, that's a real weak point uh, in security that um, lawyers and real estate agents have kind of pointed out. And what they want to see is more um, multi-factor forms of uh, identification, which is kind of what we already do when we log into our bank account. You know, we get a notification on our phone um, that wants us to verify that it's actually us who's trying to get into the bank account. So there's all sorts of ways that your identity could be verified, and and lawyers definitely want to see um, more of those processes used. If you're a homeowner or if you are looking to buy a home, how do you protect yourself here? So we've already talked about getting title insurance. That seems like an important thing. Um, but but what are the, some of the other things that people should should keep in mind in order to to you know do their best to prevent this from happening to them? Yeah, I think the thing to remember here is that this is happening to homes that are left vacant for a long amount of time. And so one thing that's been suggested is that you should make it not look like your home is vacant. If you have friends in the area, you can have them going in and out of your house. You can leave a car parked outside of your house. You can, you know, have someone occasionally turn on and off the lights. Um, Basically, if it doesn't look like it's been vacant for a long time, it might be um, a bit harder for fraudsters to find out that it's been vacant. Um, the other thing that some people have done, and you know, there's a bit of ambiguity about whether this is this is actually going to help that much, but is to open um, a home equity line of credit or some sort of debt that's serviced against your property already. Um, basically, fraudsters are looking for the easiest target, and if they have to, um, you know, clear uh, any sort of debt against the home, then that's just one more step that they have to take. 
Um, so some people have just you know gotten a line of credit and left it at zero, so they're not carrying any interest. That, those sort of actions kind of just make your home less of a desirable target. And I would imagine, too, if you have a line of credit or something, like you, you must get notified if there's any kind of movement on that, right? So that's, I guess, another checks, check and balance that would be in place there. Absolutely. One of, the, one of the signs that something weird is going on is if you get, you know, letters from financial institutions about different kinds of debt that you have no involvement in um, or about accounts being open that you didn't open yourself. Um, that can be a big red flag that, um, you know, something is happening and you should definitely look into that. Mm-hmm. And just kind of going forward here, you know, from your perspective, could we expect to continue seeing this happening until things change, like until more regulations change? I mean, the government uh, said they're, you know, talking to different industry groups and industry groups say the same thing, that there is good conversation happening. Um, what the government is doing is basically, you know, changing wording around an act. But what um, people in the industry really want to see is more resources given to the police to share information and work together kind of across jurisdictions uh, when it comes to fraud to, to be able to better target and understand um, exactly what's going on here with these organized criminal groups. Sal, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Michal Stein helped work on this episode. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Adrian Chung is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.